You are listening to the Rudd Commentary Investing 101 series, designed to bring you valuable information on financial topics that are important to you. Good day to all of our investors and general listeners. This is the Rudd Commentary. My name is Josh Rudd, and I'll be your host on this presentation today. For our new listeners who may not be familiar with our firm, the Rudd Company is a wealth management firm headquartered in Fort Worth, Texas. Today is really just a focus more on charitable contributions and how we can benefit others through giving. For our listeners, this topic prompts many questions in the areas of wealth management, tax, and estate planning. So our discussion today will touch on all these topics. So it is important that our listeners contact our firm or their respective tax or legal professional, depending on their specific situation. The point of this program is for all our listeners to be better informed so they can make a greater impact with their charitable contribution. With that, Jack, let's get started. All right. I'm excited. I just want to make a point. You don't have to have millions of dollars to make an impact. Just to start, I think the the most common gift and planning that we do in this area is for retirees. So you may be in retirement. You've reviewed your financial situation, and you've got plenty to leave to your children should anything happen to you. You'd now like to spend your efforts helping others, but but what do you do? And, And that's very common. Another example might be you've just sold a business for a large sum of money after building a profitable growth engine and just trying to figure out what to do with all this sudden wealth. So, Jack, what's interesting is the majority of individual gifts in terms of frequency and and count, they're not from individuals in retirement or from sudden wealth. They're from, you know, just regular folks that work nine to five jobs and want to make the world a better place. Let's say in that case, you're a young professional and you're in a growing job and You're not yet married. You don't have children. Earning a really good living and you've done the things that you've been told to do, right? You step back and you look at the world and you see opportunities for improvement and you want to help, but you're not sure that these past donations that you've made kind of on impulse are really making much of an impact. You may need to step back and think about how you want to make the greatest impact. So that's what I I want to talk about next, Jack, is actually who we can benefit by giving. I want to start with the organization or first organizations that were presented to me. I don't know if this is true now, but I'd say 20 years ago, there was a lot of focus on the large national organization where basically you make a contribution, then the organization figures out how to deploy that capital in situations where they see the most need. And, And that's definitely a way to do that. And that's kind of the largest and most comprehensive way. There's not a lot of prep work from you as a donor that has to go into that, but you can feel good in making a donation and and get some of the benefits that come along with that. Let's go to the other extreme, Jack. You have some extra cash and you know a person that may need some help. You can make a charitable donation to an individual. That would definitely offer some help, right? Yeah, definitely. The point I want to make here is between those two extremes, there's over one and a half million qualified tax-exempt organizations in this country. These can be anything from helping a U.S. veteran buy a home to providing animal rescue for a specific breed of dog, say a, a lab. We can be very general or very specific in giving. If you can imagine it, someone has most likely created a charity for that idea. Josh, do you have any advice for someone who may not have a specific cause that they're thinking of? doesn't have to be a specific organization, but say, I know I want to donate, but I'm not really sure what to donate to. Do you have any advice for someone like that? You know, I was reading a very good book earlier this year. The way that the author presented it, and if I can think of his name, I'll mention it on this program. It's a great book, is, you know those times when you watch movies 
a lot of us don't like to admit that there are certain times in those movies where we break down and, and we cry, right? <laughs> and so what I would say for those individuals is it's extremely important to really find out what moves you. I think a lot of the giving, Jack, today that we do is on impulse as we're walking into a store or uh, as we get approached through some social arm twisting by friends to support a charity run. And I'm not saying those organizations are good and, and they, they very well could be. I just would like to see as an advisor, I think that there's so much value in preparing for those gifts. So what about how you give? So the first gift, Jack, that you made, uh, what would you do? How'd you, how'd you make that contribution? I think my first contribution to charity was through just my time in St. Louis. used to go to the food bank and donate my time there, which was a really rewarding experience. So let's talk about how you can give. I, when I'm talking to our investors and clients, I like to break giving down in, into two categories, Jack. And you talked about the non-financial. We'll get to that in a second. But let's just talk about financial, which is extremely common. Just random donations. You know, ever walked into your grocery store and heard that bell at Christmas time? You yeah. know, we can just put cash in the little red bucket. You can also write a check to support an organization of your choice. I'm not a big fan of that. The checks these days, if they're anything less than about $100, you know, your standard $25 check, they're very inefficient for those organizations to process. And in some cases, Jack, it can take them more to process the check than the check's actually worth. Another thing is you can donate your tax refund to organizations. If it's out of sight, out of mind, it's a very easy way to do it. You can also donate your airline or reward program miles on a credit card. That's something that a lot of the time is is overlooked. I know here recently with online shopping, one of the large online companies has a program where every time you buy online, I think it's a half a percent of your purchase actually goes to a charity of your choice. So that's very easy. These are all financial ways that you can benefit an organization. But Jack, you mentioned donating your time. That's what I want to talk about next, some of the non-financial ways to donate. What I hear a lot about from young people is I may not have enough money to really make an impact in an organization, but everybody's got time that they can spare. A couple of things I'm thinking about is through manual labor or simple clerical administrative work. I remember, Jack, the first time our church asked to build some wheelchair ramps and half of the guys that showed up didn't know how to work a drill. So you don't have to be, you don't have to be a, a, a carpenter to go out and, and help with some manual labor, donating your time and, and showing up. I cannot stress how important that is in some of the elder care facilities to be able to go in and spend some time with some of the greatest members of our society and really give back to a lot of those individuals who have put so much in, into building this great country. Also, Jack, I want to throw out there, if you're a professional, such as uh, you know, in our business and in, in financial services, investments, or you're a, a tax professional or legal professional, how simple it is for you to just donate your time and your skills and your specialization. Let's say that you don't have a lot of time and you don't have a, a, a skill that you think is, is easily donated. Some other things you might think about is you could always be a real vocal person and help them raise cash. Uh, that's something that we all can do. We all have friends that we can uh, go do a little social arm twisting on to see if we can help them make that decision to help a charity for that year. We can also organize events. Donating your stuff. We've all got stuff, right? Yeah, I have plenty of stuff laying around. <laughs> <laughs> and you see that. You know, you see that. I hear tax professionals talk about that. Some of their biggest questions are all these receipts we get from organizations, but those really do great things. It doesn't have to be financial. I'm glad you brought up all those different ways. It's, it's not something the everyday person, I know I don't think about all too often. And there really are just so many different ways to, to donate. 
So we talked about different ways to make an impact. What about how to make the greatest impact with your gift, whether financial or, or non-financial? You know, when you walk into a store, Jack, and you buy $100 worth of goods and services, it's pretty measurable, right? You're holding $100 worth of goods and services. Well, when you go in and you make a contribution of $100 to your favorite charity, how do you know you got $100 worth of benefit going to the mission that you're trying to support? I think this is something a lot of people struggle with. You even said it earlier, you know, cutting a check, the cost it takes to process that, it may not be real impactful at the end of the day. This takes us back to the question you asked earlier. I believe in what I see in practice and what I think would benefit our listeners is in order to make the greatest impact to the organization or to the place in the world that you're trying to benefit, it's really just stepping back and being a thoughtful and intentional giver. I'm going to lead with that because being an intentional giver is definitely number one. And if you're limited by resources, which most of us are, you may want to make sure that you're doing just a little bit of planning, whether it's $100 or or even that $20 hopefully given online will have a much better impact. And think about that in terms of the organization's or the causes that could have got the limited resources that you have. And and that's what I want to drive home. By us not planning and not thinking about where we stand and what moves us, we're causing an organization to miss out on some of our time or our resources that we could be donating. Maybe the the $25 that we gave to the organization in front of our local Walmart wasn't the one that moved us. You talked about the second thing, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. Just make your gift count. I talk about the $25 checks, but Jack, I'm sure that the nonprofit world has been benefited by all these technology enhancements as well. I mean, it's it's much easier to go online and click a few buttons and donate rather than, you know, writing out a check and having to send it in. So I would encourage everybody listening, if you're going to, the $25 and the $5, even $5 donations now are so much more impactful than they were 10, 20, 30 years ago because we don't have to process a check. You can go online to organizations that can collect those payments in very small amounts. And organizations like that are known for forwarding a very high percentage of that to the actual organization. You can make a big impact now with those $5. Just don't write a check for $5, Jack. <laughs> yeah, I won't. The Red Commentary is brought to you by The Red Company. At The Red Company, our sophisticated team becomes your proactive wealth manager, your confidant, and personal CFO. So relax and focus your time and energy on what's important to you. Contact us today at rudco at therudcompany.com. That's R-U-D-D-C-O at therudcompany.com. So the next thing and how to make your gift count is think like a business owner. As a donor, I want our listeners to ask tough questions of the organizations that they're going to donate to. You don't have to donate 10000 or $100,000 to an organization to ask how much of your funds are actually going to go to those in need. A lot of organizations have a lot of fixed costs and a lot of overhead, and you need to know that. And there are some organizations out there that are very large that's run very well where a lot of the money that you're donating is is going to those individuals in need. I think asking the right questions and really trying to find out, is my $100 getting $100 worth of benefit for those in need? Some other questions, Jack, you might want to ask what that organization's mission is. There's over a million and a half 501c3 organizations, qualified organizations in this country. I'd want to know what their mission statement is. You know, what are they really trying to do? If they're trying to benefit Labrador retrievers or chocolate labs that are abandoned because they're not able to be used as hunting dogs, 
And that's what's important to me. That's great. I just want to know what their mission is. And I want to know how much of my giving and, and time and money is going to benefit that mission. Also, something that just kind of catches everything else is in addition to how much of this goes to the actual mission of the organization, how is all the money used? How much is used for marketing? You know, how much is used for dinners? How much is used for events and travel and things like that? I think just flipping that question over, Jack, really helps me understand not just what the mission of the organization is, but how committed those individuals that are running the organization are to that mission. And then the last thing in that area, Jack, we've already talked about, know what moves you. And I did, while, while I was talking here, remember where I got that from. So there's a really good book I would encourage those that are interested in learning more today to read. It's called The Art of Giving by Charles Bronfman and Jeff Solomon. There's some very good pieces in there on giving. If you really want to know what's going to move you, it's just that example I gave you in the movie. You know, what makes you cry? That feeling of empathy you have. And this could be things that you're drawing from. Maybe you've been through a tough medical challenge. You've had a childhood experience that has really been impactful. You could have a very strong faith or a, a moral conviction. Really, just about anything. I know some folks that are very involved in the environment and animal rights, and that's wonderful that they're able to connect with something that's important to them. The key here is just finding out what's important and what moves you, Jack. I agree. I'm also glad we got to discuss how to make a biggest impact the research up front and properly vetting the specific charity you want to donate to is it's more important than ever. Oh, Jack, that's a really good point. There are some things I would like our listeners to know. Really, just some words of caution. Jack, once you give that larger donation, you're on their list forever. This is not necessarily a bad thing. I just want all of our listeners to be prepared for that. I also want our investors and listeners to know that it's okay to say no, especially if right now you don't have the financial resources or you don't have the time to give. It's okay. It's okay to say no. I've seen a large impact to those also who donate their time. It might be very flattering to be asked to join a nonprofit board, but please remember our discussion above that board membership may come with expectations on time. And I believe also what a lot of first-time board members get hit with when they join the boards, there's also an expectation in a lot of cases for a minimum donation or some type of fundraising requirement. Those are not bad things, but we just want to be prepared for them. And if you're not able to give, you're not being mean. You know, you just have to know how to say no. And in this environment, in the nonprofit, I would encourage, just like anything else, to be able to say no with grace. Just remember, a well-run and professional charitable organization will understand and thank you for your consideration, even if you have to tell them no. The best way to turn down a request for a donation is simply to complement the mission of the organization and all the hard work of the volunteers and to let them know you're not able to give this time, but you are in support of their mission and what they're doing. Some other things, Jack, are just uh, unknown organizations. As we talked about, there's a million and a half 501c3 organizations out there. There's a qualified charitable organizations in the eyes of the IRS. And, and just to make sure that the organization that you're donating to is, is legitimate, just a little bit of research can really save you a lot of headache. If you come across a solicitor that's very pushy, if your tax professional is telling you to write a check by the end of the year, that's one thing. But if somebody's really twisting your arm to make a donation quickly, I would step back and and do some research or, or phone a friend. One question I had, what are the tax or estate benefits to giving? Well, that's the big one, right, Jack? The government and the IRS really want to make it attractive for us to give money to help charitable organizations in this country. 
there's some things to consider when you're making charitable contributions and you're expecting a tax benefit. The most overlooked is we've had a recent increase in the standard deduction. You've got to itemize. Your deductions have to be greater than your standard deduction. I know that may sound very basic. That's probably the first thing. Um, on, on a kind of a basic sense, the organization that you give to, it needs to be a qualified charitable organization. You know, we've been referencing a term and we haven't defined it, the, the 501c3 organization. And I would encourage our investors to Google that term and you could read more about that. And the good thing, Jack, is that most charitable organizations that you come across qualify. And Josh, is it the responsibility of the person giving the donation? to record all this information, even if it's a qualified charity? Is there a way that that's automatically put down that I made this donation? In addition to making sure that the organization is a qualified charitable organization, you've got to document those contributions. There are some de minimis rules or smaller donation rules which may apply in this case, and, and you can check with your accountant there. And in a lot of cases, too, you need to receive some type of receipt from the organization. That receipt also needs to state that you didn't receive any benefit from that donation. One of the popular ways of fundraising for great charitable organizations is to have these large events and charitable dinners. You go on and you buy these tickets for $1,500 and you go and you have this $30 dinner. Well, you know, you have to deduct that $30 dinner from your donation. You cannot receive a benefit from the organization. So you should be seeing, Jack, uh, that also on the receipt as well. One of the things that, that also I think surprises individuals is political contributions in general are not tax deductible. Uh, you can't give $100 to the campaign of your favorite candidate and, and write it off on your taxes. So I'd like to continue to explore some of the tax benefits with giving, Jack. And I think some of the most overlooked really have nothing to do with donating cash. From time to time, we'll receive donated securities. Yeah, that's something that um, we've been seeing a lot more lately. Individuals can donate securities, and this is extremely powerful to a charitable organization from a tax perspective, because let's say you buy XYZ security for $50. You know, several years down the road, it's now worth $100. So we've got some capital gains that are due. Let's say that stock that you bought for $50 is now worth 100 You can donate those shares to the organization and get the full current value of those shares as the value of the donation for tax purposes, which is very powerful because remember, you only paid $50 a share and now it's worth 100 But something else that a lot of investors don't think about is you're also not paying the capital gains on the $50 per share. You're getting a double benefit from that contribution to that organization because they're not paying the income tax on that as well and they're not paying the capital gains. And so if you're looking at making donations, this is something that you should consider and talk to your financial professional about if they're not talking with you, because there could be some, some great benefits there. Can you think of anything else that might be worthwhile donating? Any other asset that has any value? What about Mike Trout's $4 million baseball card? I cannot tell you how exciting it is to discuss donating physical assets with our clients and huge benefit to that. So as Jack brought up, you can definitely make donations of art and jewelry and land. In these cases, how the organization treats that and how much you can deduct is something you need to talk to your tax professional. What's important for our listeners to know in this case is you can make those donations. And what's even more interesting, Jack, did you know in the case of art and of land, you might be able to donate those assets and actually still maintain control? Say you have a very nice painting and it's part of a collection that a, a local art museum you know, wants to complete. You can actually donate either full or a partial portion of that painting to the 
institution with an understanding and an agreement that you'll maintain physical possession of that for a specific amount of time. I really want our listeners to get creative with their giving. There's no simple and straightforward way to think about giving. We're happy to start that conversation with you and help you take advantage and and leverage those opportunities. And you know, Jack, uh, there's one more. I think one of the easiest ways to make a large tax impact, Jack, is just simply by listing a charitable organization as a beneficiary on your IRA. A lot of those taxes that would be due on those pre-tax qualified funds can be avoided just simply by listing a uh, charitable organization as a beneficiary on your IRA. Another question I had, say a business owner you know, sells his business, retires, and he's you know, kind of all set up, has the money he needs. Is there any way to offset that tax bill with a charitable contribution? That is a big issue that's facing investors today and some of our more complicated situation. Let's say you sold a business for $50 million and you've got this enormous tax bill and you've allocated money for yourself, but you've still got this large chunk of money. I mean, this is more money than you thought that you'd ever come into in your life. You got this tax problem, but guess what? You still also want to make an impact with all this leftover money. So there's really two ways I've seen, Jack, that a lot of tax professionals and and tax attorneys recommend. And first off, I want to encourage anyone in this situation to put together a great team. You're going to need additional professionals to help you with this. Two of the most common ways that I've seen come up are something called a donor-advised fund and also a charitable trust. A donor-advised fund allows you to make a single large charitable contribution, take a large deduction depending on your financial situation, then have guidance on where those funds are donated for a very long time. The funds aren't technically yours. It is a little complicated, so I would want to discuss this with an individual specifically. But it's a very powerful tool. And the real advantage, Jack, of a donor-advised fund, the administration is is very, very simple comparatively to a foundation or, or other types of vehicles. Compare that to a charitable trust, and we've had them here at our firm and been involved in the creation and and distribution phase of these trusts, you maintain control of the dollars that go into that charitable trust. And then you can make a decision if the income from those investments or that trust is going to a charitable organization and the principal go to your family, your children, or maybe even yourself, or it could be the opposite. So it sounds like if you're someone who's making a lot of different contributions to charity, you really need to talk to your financial professionals. We would welcome any of our clients to call us. Jack, did you know you can set up a donor-advised fund for as little as $10,000? I did not know that. I would encourage anyone, if you have any questions or you're in a situation where you've got a tax challenge or you really want to make an impact in one year, please give us a call. We'd love to help you with these. I truly believe that as we get more successful in our society and, and as investors, unfortunately, one of the characteristics of that is just focusing more on things and the acquisition of wealth. If you look around the world today, I think we could all use a little more kindness and compassion for others and and really making a point to understand not just what moves me, but what moves others. That effort of understanding is really what we need right now. That's all the advice I have for today. It's a good way to close. As always, if you enjoyed this program or know other investors that would appreciate this information, please share the Red Commentary podcast through email or on social media. All of us here at The Red Company would like to thank you and our investors and clients for your trust. Thank you for allowing us to be your partner in your long-term financial journey. We take our role very seriously. Thank you very much for listening today. This is The Red Commentary. I'm your host, Josh Rudd. And from all of us here at The Red Company, invest long and prosper. 
This commentary is distributed for informational purposes only and is not intended to constitute legal, tax, accounting, or investment advice. Nothing herein constitutes any offer to sell or solicitation of any offer to buy any security. All investment strategies and investments involve risk of loss, including the possible loss of principal invested, and nothing herein should be construed as a guarantee of any specific outcome or profit. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Any opinions expressed by employees of the Rudd Company are the Rudd Company's opinions and do not reflect the opinions of any affiliates. The opinions expressed by guest speakers are their own and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Rudd Company or any affiliates. Guest appearances on this program does not imply the Rudd Company's endorsement of any entity, person, product, service, or investment. All opinions are current and only as of the date of recording and are subject to change without notice.